The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hey, what's up? What's up? All my BBW barrier breaking women. It's your girl, AJ Andrews, back with another amazing episode with another amazing barrier breaking woman. Before we jump into this episode, I want to talk about my Mella win, how I have been winning in my melanin this week. This week, me winning in my melanin goes down to not allowing anyone to make me feel less than. I think we go through life sometimes so worried about others' opinions, trying to prove people wrong, and trying to show people how valuable we are. And this week, I decided I'm just going to know that I'm valuable, that I'm worthy, and that I am amazing. And I will never give anyone the opportunity to make me feel otherwise. It was so important for me to continue to win in my melanin knowing that I am absolutely exceptional and that the only individual that can judge whether I am or whether I am not is myself. At the end of the day, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And I this week refused to give my consent to anyone to allow me to feel like I am not the amazing woman, daughter, athlete, and person that I am. I hope you all keep winning in your melanin. And this individual that is winning in her melanin is Odessa Jenkins. That's right. She is starting. She is someone that is creating a brand new league. She's amazing. She's truly breaking all the barriers for women in football. I'm so excited to get into this next episode for you all to take a listen. Welcome back, all my BBW barrier-breaking women. Today, I am talking with a woman that is breaking barriers left and right. She is two-time USA National Team gold medalist in women's football, two-time Big West Conference Basketball Player of the Year, coach and tech executive, director of Parity Now, which drives for pay equity for pro women athletes, and is the CEO and co-founder of Women's National Football Conference. And also, got to put in there, she's also a co-owner and coach of a team. Odessa Jenkins, I almost ran out of breath talking about your all your amazing accomplishments. How are you? <laughs> What's good, AJ? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving and grooving. I'm good. I'm, my phone's ringing. You can hear it's like, it yeah. always... <laughs> Listen, I'm I, I'm I'm good. I'm great. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to be talking to you. I hate that it took so long. Oh no, I'm so like your phone's ringing right now. I feel like you're just moving a groove. You're just making moves, and from parody now to new women's football league. All I can say is I am bowing down to the moves you are making, and I'm so happy I could be fit into the schedule of you just changing the game of women's sports. Breaking barriers is, is, you know, it's, it's hard work. I get it. It is. It is. And full disclosure, I, um, I actually have a new role now. I'm, I'm president of a, of a tech company called M train. So I, I transitioned from parody now and that's still my family over there, but I, um, I took a role as, as president of a, of a tech company recently. So that's just another thing that I, that took on going back to technology and, uh, really trying to lead in the um, in the e-learning and and culture space um, and trying to develop more healthy workplaces in the world through technology. So doing a little bit of that, too. OK, yeah. Press, thank you for that. Just gosh, I thought the barriers were already broken, but we're just we're just knocking down many more as we just keep moving throughout this this world. Odessa. I appreciate all that you're doing. That's amazing. We out here, AJ, like we out here, you just have to use all your skills. You know what I mean? They let a sister like me in the Silicon Valley. So it's, it's going to be a fun ride. Now there's no turning back. That's all. And all he took was you get in there now wreaking havoc. I love it. For those that do not know, the WNFC is managed by an all-female leadership brain trust and features 20 teams. We'll be playing 10-week spring season, broadcasting nationally, and is going to have a title championship game honoring women in sports. Odessa, before we jump into all the amazing things that you are doing, the barriers that you are breaking continuously every day, it seems like, I want to ask you, how did you win in your melanin this week? How did you mellow in? I think I won in my melanin this week by 
working through the multiple different responsibilities that I have in life while also going outside and getting some vitamin D. I think it's super important for us as sisters in particular to make sure that we get out in the world and stay one with nature. And I think being able to do that in a pandemic, for me in particular, running multiple businesses, I think we forget to just go outside, take some deep breaths, feel the sun on your skin and get that space. So I think how I wanted my melanin this week was to not lose sight of being one uh, with the world while still doing what I needed to do with my family and my business. Oh, I love that. That was my mellow win a couple of weeks ago, being able to really stay present and not allow everything that I'm doing on top of what I want to also be doing, take me from what I'm currently experiencing and being grateful and enjoying all the things that have come to me in this time. So I, I really resonate with that and going outside. Ooh, I love the sound of water. I just love being around water. And I just took a, a few minutes just to listen. And there's so much that really opened my mind just from those taking those few minutes. It's real. I, I, forget, I think, I think conceptually the win is I did what I wanted to do this week. Right. I mean, that for me, because we get we get in a lot of the hamster wheel of the responsibilities that we have to everything and everybody. And we forget that we are in charge. I am in charge of my decisions, my destinies, my outcomes. So I decided I wanted to go outside and get some sun. And and, and that's what I did. So that's the win. And though for the, I know not everyone can see, but she is also just beaming. Beaming the sun is like shining through her right now. Not just through the beautiful color she has on, but just your spirit, your vibrant energy. It is felt. It is seen. Love this conversation already, Odessa. <laughs> Love it. As an athlete on the go, a coach on the go, an entrepreneur on the go, a CEO on the go, all the things that you are, is it okay if I get up in your business real quick? Do your thing. I want to know, Odessa, do you have a power song or something that really gets you going in the morning or in the times when you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed that pushes you through? I listen to a lot of music. I'm an old school R&B head, but I probably say my power song is a gospel song. And I like a good Leandria Johnson joint, Ooh. but I think if I had to go to one that was going to get me up every time, it'd have to be two wings. I can't, oh, I always forget who sings it. The Christian Airs, that's who sings. It is an old school gospel song and is my mother's favorite song. And it's called Two Wings. And I have it actually tatted on me. And it's a, it's a verse, Isaiah 6 and 2. And it's really just meant to say that you are protected and that you are covered. And that when you go out to take your risk or when you go out to take flight, just know that you always got something bigger than you behind you, in front of you. So yeah, Two Wings by the Christian Airs would probably be my song. I yeah. love that message behind that. You talked about R&B a little bit. Who's your, what's your go-to R&B artist? You know, I had a sort of an a R&B breakdown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I won't keep it real with you. Uh, when I had to stop listening to R. Kelly, I had an R&B breakdown. I'm not even a <laughs> Everybody else can act I, like they No, I understand. Listen. It was Me too. We're talking about hundreds of hits that I had to throw away, that I had to so forget many. about, that I can't walk around singing anymore, that I had to like delete. So after that, again, I'm probably stuck on a bond. I'm probably, mm. you know, I listen to a lot of Tank. I listen to okay. a lot of Fantasia. I'm a vibe. I like good, like, passion yeah. music. I completely agree. I'm a passion person, so I like good passionate music. I really do. R&B is my go-to. And like, I listen to R&B even when I work out. Like just so the times where I'm supposed to, you know, be, you know, all out hype and lit. I'm like, hey, pretty girl. Yeah. And I see kid. Like a little John B, you know what I mean? Like that's me. I'm vibing in the weight room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm listening to, I'm listening to R&B. I'm listening. I love John B. I love Chris Brown. I like uh, people that span genres. I like Usher. I'm a big Usher fan. I like passionate singers. It doesn't really matter what they're singing, to be honest with you. Like, 
the pa- I think it's the passion in R&B that you feel that yeah. makes you feel you could be singing about love. You could be singing about heartbreak, but it makes me want to get up and go do something. I know. I love that. All what right. would you say as you are someone that is so busy moving around, what is your hack that allows you to get everything that you want to get done? How do you manage everything? I always get enough sleep. So I've clearly defined what enough sleep means for me. And I get my five hours of sleep no matter what. And I always make time for my passion and what I want to do. I I never let my week be consumed by what I have to do, my responsibilities. I always make time for whatever I want to do. I think that's super important. And the other thing is self-confidence, self-love. I don't ever give that to anybody else. I think it's super important to know that you own your self-confidence, you own your self-love. It's why they start with self And I think that as long as you are owning that, can nobody else take it from you? And when it's broken, you look internally first. And so that's, I think that's the three ways. Um, Sleep, my actions, do what I want to do, get that in during the week. And then um, know that I'm responsible for how I love myself and how confident I am. I've just recently discovered the word no. And, You know, you know, it sounds funny, but there's been so many times where I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try to figure it out or uh, let me see what I can do. And just the power and to be like, no, no, you know what? No. And it's without giving a reason, I forgot who it was, but there was this quote when it was like, the person that is truly free is an individual that will say no without giving explanation and you know, <laughs> not feeling need like you have to, like, I just, I don't want to. No. You know, I think freedom is raised in, is truly based on what you find in your core and being real to your core. So if your core is peace, always going back to your peace. If your core yeah. is passion, always going back to your passion. If your core is love. And so for me, my, my core is rooted in the love that I have for the people around me and the peace in, inside of myself. Like I never it's been years, decades, it's been a long time since I truly let anything disrupt my inner peace. It's just uh-huh. not going to happen. Money, uh, love, whatever it is, it just, I am true to my own inner peace. And if it ain't about that, if, if it disrupts that at any, any level, I got to get it out of my life. Uh, I recently started doing that. As I said, I discovered the word no, also discovered what comes let it, what goes, let it. And it kind of became my mantra of, I call it the three P's now. If you're not bringing me peace, prosperity, or paper, I just don't have the time. And that, yeah. that is, whoo. So I love that's everything. Yeah, that's, that's, it's crazy what, uh, what that will attract, right? When you, yeah. when you, when you are focused on your inner health and you have some standard for making yourself happy, and, and, and you don't let people disrupt that standard. It's wild the kind of humans that'll come into your life and, and amplify that about yes. you. And actually, they'll start helping you promote. Hold on, hold on. That might disrupt your peace. Let me make sure I get that away from you. That's the yes. kind of proof you want around you, right? Oh, that is so true. It's like when you let things leave, you're opening space for what truly is for you. And as you said, to amplify those things for you. Real I talk. love that. We'll talk. Life is short. Odessa, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. What is, I mean, we got deep in there. We got, we really got some real life stuff out, but what is your most embarrassing moment, either as an athlete or a coach? And what did it teach you? (laughs) Mm, I don't get embarrassed very often. I'm not that type. You know, I'll use something small uh, because I think it was, (laughs) it's actually, it turned out being pretty big. So we have, we, we chant a lot. We're a team that likes to get each other going with our words and saying certain things and chatting certain things. And our sisterhood is based in sort of um, amplifying uh, the things that are important to us, togetherness, aggression, all that stuff, especially in football. Football players, we are some cheerleaders. We love chanting. And we have an amazing uh, player on our team Angelica Grayson, who always leads the chance. This is her responsibility. It goes unsaid. That's what she does. And I remember being in a huddle after a game and we were all excited because it was a great game. 
And I decided I was going to lead the chant. Now, I, I, as the head coach, I do a lot of things, right? I, I get them hyped up. I, I, I make them feel great about themselves. I set expectations with them. But I messed up and jumped out and said, and we hit the field like, and nobody said anything. <laughs> they were like, what? What you doing, coach? Like, that's not, that's not your role. And, and then Jelly, who we call, we call her Jelly, jumped in and she did her hit the bill and everybody's like, who? And it was a perfect reminder for me to, regardless of your title, whether you are the leader of the business or the team, or you are the mop in the floors, that to know your role and stay in your lane. And I think it's super important because sometimes as leaders, you get out of your lane and you don't think about the impacts of that. And I think that that was a reminder to me to say, you know what, let this woman lead at what she does and let me do what I do. And that's how, that's what makes us great. So to me, that was kind of a moment where I was like, you know what, let me stay in my lane and stop this chin. <laughs> stop this chin. Because <laughs> that's not what I do. So yeah, so that that kind of an embarrassing moment, I think. I love that though. As you said, you know, we all, everyone is good at something. Everyone has a role as to why the shit runs smoothly. And so, you know, maybe some practice you could work into that role, but no, no we're just going to be good. It's just <laughs> not necessary. That, that was yeah. the lesson. The lesson was that you don't need to be chanting. You do enough yeah. Get out of this woman's business and let them do what they do. And I think we, I always tell my team, we're too good. We don't need heroes. Like this team doesn't need heroes. It just needs everybody to do their job. And I think in life, even in your family, you get to a point where you want to help so much. You want to achieve so much uh, that we jump out and we start stepping on top of each other, doing each other's job. And now everything is disrupted where if we just did what we said we were going to do, it would work according to plan. Odessa, bring in the spoken word today. I love it. Let's pivot a little bit. I want to ask you from everything that you've been able to accomplish, beautiful black woman in the skin that you are in. When was the first time you really actually fell in love with your skin and who you are? I'd say it probably was pretty young. My mom and dad did a really good job, even through the tough times, you know, through puberty and in those times, I, I'd probably say I was about eight or nine. My mom, because my mom used to say, look at my, look at my pretty black baby. That's, that's my beautiful black child. You know, like Aww. my mom was always one. And, and my dad would reemphasize, bring your, bring your pretty black self here. You know, so my, <laughs> my parents always made me think like, well, okay, well, and everybody around me looked like me too. So like my family's all darker skinned and my mother was a really beautiful chocolate woman and my father's dark. So I think my siblings. And so I think that everyone emphasized the beauty and how we looked early on. Now I did deal with a lot of the contrast to that in the neighborhood, right? Uh, all my nicknames were about how dark my skin was or when I got old enough for guys to start noticing me saying like, you real pretty for a dark skin, dark skin girl. Yeah. For, for a black girl, like, you are cute. And I'm just like, what the hell does that mean? But I was lucky. I was lucky to be in a household where my mother and, and my father and my aunts always emphasized how beautiful uh, and chocolate I was. So I don't, I would, I would say pretty young is when I, when I fell in love with, with being who I was and how I looked. Oh, that's such a blessing. And I think that that is the importance, especially for young black girls to know and feel that they're beautiful growing up. For you, when you hear those comments about you're beautiful for this, or you are this, or your black skin is, you're an exception to this rule that I've created. How are you able to handle it? And how do you believe your upbringing allowed you to handle it in maybe the ways that you did? Yeah, man, because the world taught me that I was an exception. My, my family, man, my family, that, that was the toughest part was getting out into the world. And in particular, I'm, I, I was different than the other girls. Like, I had almost no body fat. I was, I've always been muscular growing up. I was bigger than the other girls because I had so much muscle mass on me. And so it was always a thing where I was, where the world started telling me, Hey, you're, 
you're different. You're ugly. You're not defined as our vision of beauty. And I think in those times, and that was probably through like age 11 to 13, probably those two years were the toughest years. And the way I got through those years was going back to my family and saying like, am I ugly? Because these people <laughs> tell me I'm ugly and y'all are, y'all for 10 years have told me how beautiful I am. And I'm confused because I don't look like the other girls and my hair isn't like their hair and my lips aren't like their lips, like what's up? And so I think it really helped me to have a mother who looked like me. Cause I think that's the other thing is I look a lot like my parents. And so for them to be confident individuals and to love themselves was like, oh, well, you know, if they love their beauty, then I should love my beauty. And that's okay. I couldn't imagine if I didn't have that, how it would have probably changed how I feel about myself today. That is extremely impactful being able that we talk about representation all the time, whether it's in or out of sport, but also in the home. And that's where it all starts as far as knowing who you are. And as you said, you come back like, hey, these people said this about me, what y'all think, right? I think even just the fact that you had that, I don't feel like a lot of kids have the ability to be able to come home and feel that confident in who they are because of the way that their parents raised them. That That's real. I mean, I think even today, like, how many of us heard our parents talk about how beautiful each one of them were? Like, you're so fine. Like, baby, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty. When I'm talking to my wife, I tell her all the time in front of our son, girl, you fine. Like, you, you're the, you're the most beautiful thing I ever seen. Because I think it's important to emphasize that behavior. And my mother did, you know, my mother did that. My mom, my, my dad flirted with my mom. Girl, you fine. you beautiful chocolate stuff here. <laughs> And that, and that to me meant, well, my, my daddy thinks my mom's pretty. I look just like her. I must be pretty too. You know, like, so those yeah. things, those things matter. It mattered more than what the world told me. Powerful. Speaking of the beauty in your skin, the confidence that you've had in yourself at such a young age, that translated into sports and you actually being able to become an intern with the Atlanta Falcons, coaching intern with the Atlanta Falcons. when. Was your first memory of you knowing I love football? This is what I want to do for a career. So I started playing football at a young age, probably around like running out there with the boys. I was always like I grew up in the inner city. So I was always the girl who was playing sports with the boys. I was always the there that girl with that ball again. So that I knew I would do something with sports in my life because I felt like sports saved me. Sports was the most beautiful distraction and attraction for me growing up. It was clear to me. I figured out real soon that sports could help me elevate my education out of poverty and all those things. So, but when did I decide it was football? I probably didn't decide it was football until after college because I played football up until the eighth grade. And then, you know, all the coaches like, you got to go do a girl's sport if you want to go to college. So then I want to play basketball. I love basketball, still love basketball to this day. But as soon as I graduated college, I went looking for football again. And once I figured out that women played football against other, I didn't know that existed until my 20s. And once I figured out that women played against other women, I was like, what? This is this is my world. And so once I got to play organized football against women and then that started developing me and learning the game, getting to know the game, starting to coach the game. uh, That's when I knew that football would forever be a part of my life and the people I met through it, I think going to the Falcons and being a part of the Bill Walsh diversity internship and even building the WNFC all started because I wanted more for the women that I grew up in this game with. Also, I remember I was reading something that you talked about and you spoke in an article and you said, if women can teach and lead countries and be the head of engineering at MIT and Harvard, then they for sure can coach football your confidence in who you are and to not allow what society or the world has said women should do or can do. How have you been able to maintain that? What allows you to keep moving forward, knowing that you are, you can do anything. It doesn't matter your gender, what people say you can or cannot do. You define that. 
Yeah, sis, this ain't no uh, facade. This this not an accident. I was ready. I'm the one. I was raised <laughs> and born to if you we needed somebody to believe and be true to the fact that they believe that a woman can do anything she wants. I'm the right one. And so because my whole life has reemphasized that all I have is proof. Like if in the technology world, we work on data and, and the only data I have is that me believing in my plans and working those plans and being confident about it has got me everything I wanted in life. And so has it gotten the people around me, whether I was leading or following them. So for me, you know, this whole idea of you go over there because you were born in a certain gender is a racket. Right. And, and I don't believe in putting up with anybody else's racket. I get to walk through this world. The one thing I got is I got to work, walk through this world the way I want to. And I think that as women, we need to be more empowered by that, that you get to define it. And so my confidence just comes from, uh, I guess, just being right. <laughs> just, you know what I mean? like, I'm right. I don't, I don't, every, every, every woman that if you look at the woman, the women that have made major investments, I don't want to be famous. I don't care to be on the same level of fame as, as any human. I don't care if anybody ever gets to know me. For me, I just know that the practice of being confident, having a plan and and not letting my gender or sexuality or frankly, anything else for that matter, define what I want to achieve in the world is been proven before. It's been done before. Men that go out and create billion dollar corporations are frankly in sport that go out and own sports companies or sports teams and are Hall of Famers. They don't ever think about the fact that they're a man. Right. So I'm not going to think about the fact that I'm a woman and neither should you just go do what you're capable of. Talented, use your talent. Mic drop. I love that. Men don't ever, I I forgot what the statistic was, but it was like when women and men apply for a job, right? They have maybe 10 things of criteria and men, Mm -hmm. they look at say, oh, I fit five. I'm a good fit. Women were like, oh, we don't have all 10, won't even apply. And in reality, we are just as capable, just as, ta- I mean, I feel like you are proof as so many of these barrier breaking women are proof. to if you just believe in who you are as what you're capable of and what you were able to do, that's how, that's how we break barriers in this yeah. game. The other racket that I don't got, give into is fear. Mm. Like the fear of failure. I failed twice today. Two, uh, there's a couple things today already that I wanted to happen that didn't. And Like, so I think this idea that you have to be perfect and that and especially in the world of social media where everybody gets to judge your move, I bring on the ability for people to judge my move. That means that they're sitting and watching me while I'm getting it done. And so I think that there's this concept that there can only be one winner, especially for us as black women, where they're not there's not enough representation. So we're saying we've never been there. So if we go there, we only got room for one, one. or two mm-hmm. or three. And I think that that is a racket as well in our brain that, oh, it, sister, if you get there and you fail, ain't no more sisters getting that opportunity. It's like, nah, that's that's a facade. It's fake. Like it, it is literally fake because the only thing stopping us, more of us from getting there is more of us trying. Mm. Play the numbers game. The people who don't stop are the ones that win. I feel like that should be something every person, whether you're an athlete or just someone aspiring for your goals, should write down every single morning. You don't stop. That's how you win. Just don't stop. Real talk. Seriously, because it's like I, there's so many times I've wanted to quit. Like I'm, I'm real about it. I, so many times I wanted to give up. Being a leader is a thankless job. It's a hard job. There's a lot of self-doubt that comes into your head, but you have to go lean back on who you truly are and be confident and be willing to deal with disappointment and fear and all those things. And, and I think athletics has trained me to handle that in a lot of ways, being an athlete, but I refuse to give up. Nobody's going to hit the jackpot on my slot machine. I've been (laughs) funny in it. No way. I love that. Odessa. you talked about how you don't have a fear of failure then do you have any fears? What, what is a fear of yours if you have one? Being lazy. That's it. I don't ever want to be a person who gets identified or feels personally that I didn't try, mm-hmm. uh, that I gave a half an effort. I think it's, again, that's rooted into my upbringing. 
my father only had like a fifth grade education and started working in construction and, you know, was always coming home, paint filled, dirt fingernails, working his tail off. My mother was savvy, worked three, four jobs, kept time. I don't know how she did everything she did, always kept us, you know, taken care of. And so it was a thing to not work. Like you had to work, you had to hustle, you had to grind. So my biggest fear is being somebody who is identified as somebody who who is lazy. Well, it sounds like to me that is what keeps you going. Because if you keep going, that's how you win. Just keep going. That's how you win. Let's drop that album, man. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Just keep it. going. That's how you win. Hey, yeah. I'm feeling that because I, boy, do I get frustrated in my sports. I'm like, AJ, just keep going. That's how we get this W. Odessa. In this world of people telling us, especially Black women, what it is that we are supposed to be doing or can be doing, right? Some people give into that it is what it is mindset. But all of the barrier-breaking women that I've ever encountered have developed a no, it is what I make it mindset. And you are just that person. What was one moment when someone doubted you or told you what you could or could not do and you set out to prove them wrong? I think the biggest moment so far has been in the development of the WNFC, you know, the Women's National Football Conference. I think knowing that there have been hundreds of leagues, 75 years of trying, a lot of people recognizing that women's football is a thing now, people jumping out and making plans and saying what they weren't going to do. And when I developed the concept of the WNFC, people saw me as, oh, she's just another person making another league that's going to be another flop and charity and, and, and we're going to all still be amateur and nobody's going to care. And this model that I had of, no, let's develop some brands. Let's treat this like a, a startup corporation and get sponsors to see our sport differently and get the athletes to see their personal brands differently and start to raise some funds and start to make some money and develop some revenue lines was outrageous. It was outrageous. And I never doubted it because uh, I, I saw it coming, but that was the moment where I had to either say, listen, I'm going to listen to people and do what was always been done and, and, and assume that what I want to get to, which is professionalism, which is paying these athletes, which is developing a business that is revenue generating, could never happen in our sport or trust that I had a team of people and a plan that had never actually been tried. And I did it. And, and now we're here. We, we lead the market. We're changing the world. Lead the market and changing the world. It all starts with if you keep going. That's how you win. win. It all goes Keep back going. to that. That's how you're going to win. Keep going. I'm gonna, like, now I'm about to get a T-shirt. We're about to I have know. You get, I'm fired up. I love it. <laughs> it's the truth, right? I think it's just like in football and a lot of positions that once you decide to trigger, call it triggering, whether you're a linebacker on defense or running back on offense, when you decide to hit a hole, you can't think twice. You got to go. You got to do it. And you got to keep going until you hit the goal. And I think that's, kind of the simplistic way of my mindset is made a plan. I thought about the plan, but now that the plan's on, it's, it's go time. There ain't no stopping. All gas, no breaks. breaks. Oh, great. Essa, melanated and celebrated, celebrating the barrier-breaking women that are just kicking butt and taking names. I want to ask you, we talk about how you proved people wrong with the creation of the WNFC and how you've been moving forward with that. What was the first step to creating a new league? To me, it just sounds like it would be so hard and grand. What is step number one to making this happen? I think step number one is getting the right people to believe in it. So building the right team of people. I think the concept of, you know, in the WNFC, I went and looked for people that knew the sport, right. Who, who, who knew the challenges of women's football over the decades. Cause I think that was super important, but also people who didn't, who knew nothing about the sport, who knew about business. And I combined those two and 
Now we got a team. Frankly, these women that operate this league can run any business, any business. Bring it on. This group is a group of technical savvy. They've worked in some of the biggest companies on the planet. They handle finances and billion dollar entities. And and they're deciding that we all want to build this little sports league together and not taking a dime for it up front. So it's this commitment to the group of people who are doing it that I think is the first thing. The second thing is you just not, you need a really good plan. Like you need a really good business plan, really good strategic plan. And I think an early sign of a win will help. And our early sign of a win was when Adidas came on and said, you know what? We agree with you. We think you do have a good plan and we love the people you have involved and we believe in what you're building. So let's long-term, like that's not one year, let's multi-year it. And we want to go build with you. Like, so when Adidas decided to do that and Riddell decided to do that before we played a game, those were big deals. How did you get that? How were you able to convince those brands to invest in this league? I think the first thing that you do, and this is for any entrepreneur, you are selling you. Like, I think that's what people need to remember is when you walk into a room with a great business plan, when you walk into a P firm trying to raise capital for your business, you are selling you. So you got to get your shit. Can I say that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You got to have your stuff together and you have to know your plan, know your outcomes. You have to know your people. You have to know your vision. So I think one of the ways on how is I can tell a story. I don't need no slides. I don't need slides to tell you where I want to go financially, where I want to go strategically, what the brand is, what our story is, what our athletes about. So I think part of the how is that I spend a lot of time studying the marketplace, knowing my business, and that really came off well to these brands. So if I want to start a professional softball league and I had the plan, I had the vision for what I wanted it to look like, how do I go about creating or getting the funds for it? How did you decide what you know it would cost, how you want to pay the players and how you would get that money? Well, I think the first thing is to take steps, right? Phases, just like any other business, figure out how you're going to make money. Because that was, I think the biggest part for us is we came out and we said, down the road, here's how we're going to make money. We're going to build apparel lines. We're going to have a technology piece of our business. We want content revenue. We want ad revenue. We want to make sure that our productions are valuable. Like that's how we're going to make, because everybody says they want to make money. But I think we had a clear articulated plan for what the revenue lines were going to be so that when we brought people into the business, they could see it. So I think The first thing would be if you have a plan, get people around you that you can articulate that plan to. The other thing is to find out how much that you need to raise for each phase of the business. So how much are you talking about? Like you're talking about $50,000, $30,000, $100,000. And then it's finding places where that money is. Are you looking for an investor? Are you looking for a loan? Are you looking to go have that be uh, organic growth, meaning you want to go sell something, you want to go start something. So I think that's the other first piece is to find out what exactly what you need to get to phase one. So whether that's people, whether that's money and the money's there, grants are there. You can go, I fund women is a great resource. Acorn is a great resource for early stage capital raising. So You can get on Google and literally you don't need any resources, but you can get on that and start doing it. The other thing is to look into your resources. This great book that I always give to people by Bob Bodine called The Power of Who. It says, you know, you already know all the people that you need to know in order to get to your greatest dreams. And so that is a huge part of developing. Like if you want to develop your softball league, because you probably already know all the people in and outside of softball, who could give you the money you need, the people you need, the plan you need, and the direction you need. You're just not asking them. You know, if you got in your network somebody who's a, a, an entrepreneur, have you asked them, right, to go in with you to start? I think part of where we fail is our unwillingness to ask the people that we care the most about. Mm, that is very true. I do believe that 
there's always someone willing to help. You just have to know who to ask. And if they don't know, they know someone who would be willing to help. Everybody knows somebody that knows somebody. That is I was hesitant with that too, because you were in your person that people respect. You don't want to like use up those relationships. Right. If you got something that you believe in, the first thing you need to do is ask the people who can influence it. So when you get, let's say, you know, you have the individuals that want to come on and you have the plan in place, what is maybe the most difficult thing or the, the hump that need you need to get over to really get things rolling? I think competition, right? Okay. Competition is the biggest thing. At least that thing was for me, right? There are other leagues out there. There's people have been playing this game for decades and decades and decades. It just thinks we're another, oh, you're just going to be another fly by night. There's a lot of leagues out there. There's a, I think finding uh, who your allies are, whether they be players or certain coaches, teams are important. It's just like any other market. Like it just takes one logo to truly get the other logos. So who's your one logo? Who's your influencer, client, team, athlete that you need to go after? And don't start until you have that person. Now, whether that's an employee, a board member, an actual athlete, a team or whatever, it's going to take more than you. So I think that would be the next one. What was your goal in creating? And you talk about the competition. How did you want to differentiate? What was your goal for this league with the WNFC? I wanted to create one level of professional football. I wanted to make it clear for the little girl who might not be playing yet that when she wants to go pro, what does pro look like? Pro isn't multi-layered. Professional is the highest level. And so my goal was to create the highest level elite women's tackle football, elite level where the best players play, the best teams play, the best coaches coach. And that's my focus. So I didn't, the whole market matters to me for sure. Like building towards professionalism, amateurism, all that stuff. But what I'm building is all about the highest level. And so what I set out to do, my goal was, how do you get to the highest level? You need the best brand. You need the best marketing. You need money. You need the best athletes. You need influencers. And so my goal was all around, how do we start to hone in on what good looks like uh, from a business perspective, from a branding, you know, great websites, beautiful brandings, great content, great video, great production all that stuff. So those, that, that, that was really my goal. I am so inspired just because I feel like the ability for young girls to look and say that high school isn't the peak or college isn't the standard, right? I can go beyond, I can be a professional athlete. And that is actually what I am striving to be, not something that's going to happen on a whim. I hope that for every young girl in every single sport. So absolutely love everything that you are doing. I do have one question in regards to the league, just, you know, in case I'm creating my own league, wink, wink. <laughs> when you think about creating pay for the athletes and creating the teams, right? The, just the full system of what the league would look like. How did you settle on the 20 teams, the season and what the salaries would be? To be clear, our players aren't getting paid yet. So like, we're a ways away from that. What was really important for me, I started out with 15 teams. Mm -hmm. So, and there are hundreds in the country. We built some in some cities and we took some existing ones, but how we are deciding that is money. I, I always, they say this where I'm from. The, the guy said, all money ain't good money. Yeah. So you have to be really careful about saying, well, all right, we got a salary. We're good because we've seen this happen in women's sports, right? Where you try to jump right out and paying players is the minimum and you forget all the other things that matter. Like you got to have a viable business. Like if somebody's going to change their whole life and move to a state and do, do certain things, they don't just need a living wage. They need a good working environment. They need to be developed. They need places for their families. They need like, we're talking about women. It's completely different. So in order to do that, you have to have organizations that can house all of that, that can be healthy. So the first phase of the WNFC is actually focused on the viability and development of the teams. How do we build strong, well-coached, 
well-operated teams with good business strategy and good branding, and that can actually be a part of the community. Once you get that, then you'll start attracting the kind of revenue and operation that will be necessary to pay the players. So I think in women's sports, we are in such a rush to get parity and pay that we're forgetting pay comes through all the other things. It comes from healthy businesses. Which companies in the world pay the most? The healthiest ones, the ones that make the most money. We can't miss that in building women's sports. So I think we are all out there saying, man, we got to get paid. It's, it's time to get paid. And you're right. It is time to get paid. But I don't want to get paid tomorrow and not have a place for my daughter to play. Like, I want to build something that can actually stand 10 toes down as the world economy changes. And so I think that's everybody in the WNFC is on board with that. And I would tell you if wink, wink, if anybody were to build a league that as you come out and you make commitments, like we've had leagues in women's football that said they were going that they're going to pay somebody a million dollars and that their operating budget was 250 million. That would be the largest women's sports league in the history of the world. Right. And to come out and say that now you've come out and said it. Now you have to be responsible to that being sustainable, right? Because now you have investors involved. Yeah. So for me, I believe in ethics. Now I believe in stretching, but I believe in being ethical and being real to the women that are coming into the league. I'm going to let you know what I'm building and give you transparency to it. I'm not going to tell you anything I can't do. I completely agree with that, right? Women were so eager to have to be paid. I mean, a lot of, especially in softball, a lot of girls have second jobs, right? We're pro athletes. And then, okay, now if they go back to my job that actually pays me, <laughs> that pays my rent. Right. Yep. And so when you hear you get into a league and it's new and you hear, well, we're going to pay you this much for what I see, people don't even care about anything else. It's just like, oh, I'm going to actually be paid. Well, Okay. And I think that that's just the experience that professional women have, right? We just don't get paid. So it's exciting to see that there's something new that will actually pay us more for getting actually what is the foundation of that and how long lasting that will actually be. And to hear you speak, it sounds like you're building a business. Like it's not like you're building a league, you're building a business. Leagues are businesses. Right. Like like you don't think that though. You forget that. Leagues are businesses. Leagues aren't community organizations. <laughs> they are businesses. And we got to start looking at women's sports the same way. Like, that's why I think it's dope what they're doing in Angel City. Like, they're coming right out and saying, we're business, we're getting sponsorships, community organizations, aligning with other businesses and other markets, non-sport, because that's what you truly have to do in this new world. And I think that if you start to look at it as a business and think the athletes are a part of development, like, yeah, there's the pioneer, there's a story, there's the soft stuff. But if I don't build a business, like we ain't going to be here very long. This is not going to be sustainable. And then we're going to have to start all over again. Or we're going to have to wait for men to come in and drop their resources on us. And then they get to define what we look like. And they get to tell us what our uniforms, how our uniforms should fit. How are you yeah, no. going to tell me I'm the one with the tits? Yeah. How, <laughs> how my damn uniform should fit. You know what I mean? So I think that we just have to, we shouldn't be patient because we should be going to get what we want to get. But at the same time, we should be building towards something that's sustainable. Yes. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. When, when you're thinking of your goals, think big. But when you're thinking of progress and how you're going to get there, think small, right? Because the small, everything you do, small getting to there, that's how everything lasts. That's how things remain and keep going. You can get there fast, but are you going to be able to stay there? That's the question. So working slowly to get there, to build it up as much as you can. I think it's too redefining what professionalism is too. Because I, th- I think part of the reason is when we feel certain ways, like I'll go get a 500 hour paycheck versus playing in a better situation because at least if I get $500, I'm pro. Well, mm-hmm. nah, nah. Cause if my, if my non-protein can beat the brakes off of your protein, then you're not playing at the highest level. Right. So I think that we got to remember that the highest level of sport, like Olympians, right. There's some Olympians that 
are the best on the planet that aren't getting compensated in, in, in any way. They are still very much professional. They are still much, very much the highest level. And so I think there's, there's the pay part for sure. Pay parity, incredibly important. But we also need to build structure in these leagues that support women in every way and in these brands that support women in every way and make sure we have viable business so that women aren't being taken advantage of. That part. Don't be taken advantage of. And we just have things that last for a really long time. Longevity to me is extremely important. And that's how we continue to make the change that we need and break down those barriers. Odessa, my last BBW, becoming BBW. I love it. Odessa, my last question for you is through all of your achievements, through all the barriers that you have broken and are continuing to break, what are you most proud of? I'm proud that I um, am staying true to how my family raised me. I'm proud that I can look myself in the mirror every day and be, be happy with the decisions that I made, that I'm an ethical, strong, moral, uh, high faith person, that regardless of what I've been through, what I've achieved, what I failed, that I haven't failed in the way I love my family, the way I treat people. I'm still very real, very planted and rooted in the things that I've been rooted in my whole life. So I think the thing I'm most proud of is that, yeah, I want a lot out of life. I want to build these businesses. I want to be a pioneer. I want to change the world for women and girls in football. Uh, but more importantly, I stay true to who I am. I'm not, I have not changed how I morally walk through the world at all. And that, that means a lot to me because, you know, success and achievements and things and people and failure can rock you. And I haven't let it rock me. And I've been proud of that. That is a hundred percent something to be proud of never allowing failure to define or to diminish your dreams and your goals. And that leads perfectly into my quote of the week. And this week I'm going with just a perfect representation of who Odessa is someone that one does not fear failure, as she said earlier, and allows failure to be a moment of so what fail F A I L is just the first attempt in learning. That is all that it is. We should not fear failure, but instead fear stagnation and lack of progress. The expert has failed more times than the beginner has even thought to begin. Keep going. That is how you win. Bars. I just made that up right then. Bars. Boom, boom, boom. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Odessa, thank you so much for all of your words of wisdom, your inspiration, and the ways that you are just breaking barriers. Everyone can catch this episode of BBW on Spotify and everywhere you get your podcasts. Odessa, where can everyone find you and follow all the things that you're doing? Follow at WNFC football everywhere, all socials, WNFCfootball.com. You follow the league, you're doing what I need you to do. So follow at WNFCfootball.com. Check us out, watch a game. We're already kicked off. We're in week two. We'll be in week three soon. But thank you for having me, AJ. I appreciate you. Amazing. So excited to watch some women's tackle football, elevating women to the next game. Make sure you guys subscribe, download, rate, and comment. And I will catch all you BBWs later. Keep mellow winning in that melanin. Let's do it.